turning over to, to Haggai chapter 1, last couple weeks we've been looking at these minor prophets. And as we uh, worked through our minor prophets the last couple weeks, we saw how the Israelites had been found spiritually adulterous as we look at the story of Gomer and how the Israelites had committed spiritual adultery and was cheating on God with false idols and, and serving false gods and all things. But yet with all that, that Israel was doing and every right that God had to just wipe away his relationship with Israel, he still wooed them back into a right standing with him and restored them. Not because of Israel's good works or anything else, but just because our God is a God of grace and mercy. And he shows Israel that grace and mercy through those uh, scriptures there by wooing them back. In Haggai chapter 1 here, we're going to look at uh, what happens to the nation of Israel after they have coming out of, of the bondage of the Babylonian. They went back into their land here. And they are having to restore it. Now, you've got to get this mental image in your head. And I think a lot of times we watch these old movies where these towns have just been you know, destroyed back in the, maybe the early settler days. People come in and everything is just sort of burnt down and fallen in and everything else. Well, the people are coming back into this land after its face war, its face destruction, and they're basically having to start over. The houses of their ancestors may be partly in shambles, um, and they are coming back in with permission, by permission, to restore. And we start off there in chapter 1, verse 1 of the book of Haggai. And the Bible says, In the second year of Darius, the king, in the sixth month, in, sorry, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in the sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Ye have a sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, and bring wood, and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste. And ye run every man unto his own house. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, upon all the labor of the hands. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God has sent him, and the people did fear before the Lord. Then spake Haggai the Lord's master into the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest and the spirit of the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. In the four and twentieth day of the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. 
As we look at chapter 1 of the book of Haggai and we look at what God is speaking of here, here you have the Israelites who have ventured back into their homeland. And when you go back into a place like that, just when people at one point in time came to our community, came to Horace, which was just wilderness, and established themselves, you go in and establish a plan. Certain things must be done first. Certain things must take priority. And as they have been blessed with the opportunity, now don't be deceived, the only reason they're back here is because of God. If God did not grant them the opportunity to be set free and to come back and reestablish themselves, they wouldn't be there to begin with. They could have been wiped out on the way there. The ruler could have said, no, there ain't no way you're going back. They could have been in slavery, but God said, no, the time has come for you to return. What do they do? They get there, you think, okay, well, God's been so good to them. They're, he's going, they're going to be like Noah when he got off the ark and established an altar and began to offer praise and sacrifice, but no. They become self-consumed. They're worried about I. When I saw these scriptures, the first thing the Lord spoke to me is, it's not all about us. It's not all about me. It's not all about you. It's all about God. Time and time again, when we get... To, to church and, and, and get out into the world and things and do our daily lives, we become very self-consumed. When we are born as a baby, the first thing we do is cry out for us. We want what we want. We want milk. We want warmth. We want comfort. We want all these things. And then we grow up and become a teenager. And we still cry out for me. We want cars we want to go here we want to do this we want we want all, we want to go and get a big paying job and, and bless me and then we become adults and i like to say we change but we really and truly don't Amen. you see in our lives our lives should not be about how can i bless justin my life should be about how can i be a blessing to god how can I allow God to use me in a way for his service for his glory to upbuild the kingdom a lot of times we become castle builders. And we get so concerned with building our castle. Mine, mine, mine. And sometimes we're even guilty of it in the local church. We're getting so caught up with our local church. We're trying to build the local church. But God never called us to lead no one to church. God called us to lead people to Jesus Christ. You see, the local church is a tool in all this. It is God's a way of deliver, doing these things. But if the only way that we can see to further God's kingdom is to drag people into church, we are missing the mark. Amen. Because the mark is when I see someone on the street and the door opens for me to present the gospel, I need to act. Because these people here, as they upbuild the temple, the temple today is not made with brick and mortar. The temple is made with the flesh and blood of us, the born again. Those that the Lord has saved, we are the church. We are what the Lord dwells in. We carry Him with us wherever we go. And if this building, God forbid, something happened to it and we were to lose it, wherever we unite together again as believers, there the church will be. There's plenty of people who meet today in third world countries and over in Asia where the gospel is not uh, so welcome that don't even have a building. But they have church. We are called to build the church. A lot of times we're like these people here. The and, and let me tell you something. If we are going to build the church, building the church is not just in our immediate uh, realm of influence. Amen. If I'm going to build the church, I'm not just going to do it with my immediate family. I'm not going to be able to do it with my relation. I've got to reach out. 
The only way for God's church, not just the Mountaineer Missionary Baptist Church, but God's church to be built is by becoming missionaries. We must be missionary minded. And we must be on the mission at all times, regardless of our calling, regardless of our gender, regardless of our race. We all have mission work we must do. This involves you know, through feeding people, clothing people, helping people, loving on people, praying for people, welcoming people into your home for dinner. There are so many venues presented for us. And we are blessed to live in a community that is somewhat tight-knit, I believe. And we, are, we all know each other's brother, cousin, uncles, and everything else. Uh, we took study down to the grade school a couple of weeks ago to, uh, to enroll her in, in school down at Hudingus. As we walked through, I think everybody was, you know, she was kind of amazed. Everyone we knew, everybody we come in contact with. But we're blessed to have that community here. Now, as God has blessed us with that, that should make it easier for us. That we reach out to our, our neighbors that maybe we don't speak to as often as we ought to and give them a loving message of the gospel. Yeah, Build relationships. And when, you know, God bless it, when, when, when an outsider walks in, we praise his holy name for having him in the building. See, churches, churches don't do that enough anymore. The reason why churches in the Bible Belt are beginning to grow stagnant and membership is losing and doors are closing is they are not outreaching, they are in keeping. And if we are in keeping, we will hold our own until death's call comes. But the church, universal church, big C, church living God, will not grow because of our ministry. Preaching to the church does not get souls saved. But preaching the gospel to a lost and dying world, we see sinners come to repentance and accept Jesus Christ as their loving Savior. You see, we have to build the church. And it's not about us. It's about how to reach the world. When we see Israel, Israel makes a statement. Judah makes a statement. They say, the time is not right right now. And for us reading back over this, we think, man, they must have been crazy. They're sitting here for all these years. I think I read somewhere in a history book somewhere it was like 10 years. They said, and when it says built sealed houses, those are like really fancy houses. If you look at the Greek translation, it talks about paneled houses. It's not wood paneling like we have here. It is like really expensive timber that is placed all around their houses to make it more fancy and ornate. So it's not like God has said, don't build you a house, build my house first. It's like Judah has went way beyond, built their house, decorated, remodeled four or five times, or they still not touched the temple. They said, we don't have time for that right now. How many people do you know that you invite to church and they say, well, I just don't have time for that? Yeah. And they tell them, so, you know, you need to read your Bible, and I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to witness. I don't have time to serve. But if we look at Jeremiah, there's a very scary prophecy there where it talks about time being over and the harvest has come. You see, there is fewer and fewer laborers in the field. And I don't say this to beat you down or or you know, maybe everyone here tonight is really just on fire and serving faithfully. But I know from what I speak to the world around us and the church people I talk to that there's a lot of church people that see the church as just this. But this is really just the fueling station. 
The place where we get fed up and we feed on the Word and we get, we get fueled up and ready to go out and, and to go out and to reach a lost and dying world. You see, we cannot look at it as there is that it is not the time is not right because the time is running out. Amen. The rapture could take place at any day, and, and whatever you're going to accomplish is going to be done. They say, "Well, you know, I I got to I got to pick beans or whatever this month. I can't do. I know we're not in that season. Plant taters, I guess the season we're in. I ain't got time this week to go out and to, and to talk to nobody. I know so and so's lost. And I got a relationship built. I don't have time to go to them." Let me tell you something, that person's time may be over before you know it. There is plenty of people leaving, leaving this world so quickly. Not even older people, younger people. Uh, we were talking about uh, um, our, our graduating class the other day, and I graduated in 2003, and I said, so many people I graduated with are gone. And a lot of them were not saved. And we neglected I wasn't saved when a lot of them would die, but, but, the, but the church, the universal church, neglected reaching those souls. Amen. And we could say, well, they were, they were mean, or well, they were hard-hearted, well, they were this, well, that. But the Bible says none of us are good, no, not one. Right. We can't put ourselves above what we deem the cast-outs of society. Every living being has a soul. Amen. Every living being God wants reached. Bible says he would have none that would perish. It would be his will that all would come to repentance. But you know, the fact of the matter is, the church is so comfortable sometimes, and I, and I'm, I say the church, I'm part of it. I'm not just preaching, preaching myself here too. We get so comfortable in reaching those that are easy to reach. But we have drug addicts that need reached. We have prostitutes that need reached. We have uh, felons that need reached. We have people that are, are in prison that need reached. So many people need reached but so few people are reaching out. You see, we must reach out with loving arms, explain to them that it is not a a mean God that's looking to just condemn them and to strike them down, but it's a loving God. And we need to make the time. Now, I can make time for watching the ball game. I guarantee when the the Reds are on TV, i got DVR going, I'm going to make time to watch it at some point in time. And I won't get anywhere near an internet or a radio or a newspaper or talk to anyone until I've watched that game because I don't want to hear how it's going to end until I get to watch it. I'll call people and they'll say, watch the game. Don't tell me. I mean, I'll, I'll take it serious. If I take it that serious, how much more serious should this right here be to me? Because this is eternal. Yes. Cars, ball games, four-wheelers, boats, all that, everything. Uh, work, uh, 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 everything is going to be gone. This building is going to be gone. But the church, the church, the living God, is eternal. We've got to make time to build it. We see also here in the Scriptures that when it is not built, when people don't do what God calls them to do, punishment comes. God does not take the church laying down lightly. Amen. He, when Israel here was disobedient, Israel wasn't building the temple. What did He do? He took away their sustenance. It says here that they worked themselves to death but they got nothing out of it. Putting their money in, in bags with holes, he, he describes it. We can do that a lot of times. We get real busy working trying to amass riches, trying to get material possessions and goods, and we keep thinking, I keep working, but I don't have anything. Well, listen, if you begin to make idols out of those things, God's going to take them away. If your income is your idol, and it can be, God's going to remove it. You'll find you can do a whole lot more with a whole lot less when God's number one. 
instead doing a whole lot less with a whole lot more. It says here that he drinks, but they are never filled with drink. They're never satisfied. You wonder why celebrities are addicted to drugs and they're committing suicide, yet they have billions of dollars? They don't know the Lord. They're never satisfied. Because if my, my happiness comes in money, I'm always going to need more of it. Never going to have enough. The more money I have, the more I'm going to need. But with Christ, when I, once I become a child of God, accepted Christ, I have Christ. I am indwelled with the Spirit of God. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. He goes with me all the way. I don't have to make a sacrifice every week to, to keep Him. The unblemished Lamb of God is my sacrifice, and I, I am fully in Him. And I don't have to worry about finding something to, to fulfill me and satisfy me. God satisfies me. God fulfills me. If you want to see yourself spiritually satisfied, serve Him. And not just with, you know, every serve Him how He calls you to serve. Amen. Seek out what He has for you to do and do it with all joy. Right. There's times I come here and I change a light bulb here and now then. Isn't it's not that I have to or not. I know it's going to get dumped. I just like to do it. It makes me feel good to do it. It may seem like, so, well, that's, why, why, do you, why do you spend time? Because I like it. I, want, I feel like I'm serving God by doing something. I remember carrying the little one in here years ago. Um, and I, I can't remember what we were doing here at the church, but knowing that God yet we was here super, super, I think it might have been Easter. And I packed around, let her flip light switches on. Serving God. Yeah. It seems small, but listen, somebody's got to flip that switch. These, I mean, it, it don't have to have a huge visible uh, impression. It's not about you. Again, it's about God. Amen. And the Bible says we should present our bodies a living sacrifice. That don't just mean making yourself miserable and keeping yourself away from temptation and sin. That means letting God use you. See, I don't have anything. Everything I have is God's. My breath is God's. My health is God's. My flesh is God's. My home is God's. If He didn't give it to me, I wouldn't have it. So it just makes sense to let Him use it for His glory. If I get a call from someone saying, hey, I need a ride, I need to hop in my car. If I can, go get him because that car is God's. And while I'm going down the road, I'll have a gospel track and talk to him about the Lord a little bit. Listen, it don't have to be in a church service. Right. It's about in God's service. Not only does God punish disobedience, but we see here in the end as they begin to build the temple, what happens? God rewards obedience. And I love what he says there. In verse 13 where he says, I am with you, saith the Lord. My preaching will not build a temple. Won't build God's church in itself. My words mean nothing. Amen. However, God's word means everything. It is not Justin Bazin that builds the temple. It's God who builds the temple. And I am just a willing vessel yep. that he is using to do his will. Amen. And the beautiful part of it is Justin Bazin will make a wreck of it sometimes. And God's grace can cover my mistakes and still let the mission be accomplished. It's the foolish of the preaching which saves, which leads sinners to Christ. It is, it is, it is all the mistakes that we make in preaching the Word. It's all the errors. And, and I'm not real well educated. I mean, I'm just a simple person. But yet God can take service from us, from His, His creation and use it to do a mighty marvelous work. Right. I've heard stories of preachers of old years ago that could not even read a word from the Bible. Yet someone would read it to them and they would expound and preach God's word. 
Listen, if they can do that, someone who doesn't even have a sixth grade education, can't even read or write, can expand upon the Bible and souls be saved, how much can we do in today with all these things available to us? All the technology that we have at our fingertips that we can use to reach out and to spread the gospel. Uh, Tonight's service will eventually be on the the internet, radio, or whatever. People will listen to it. I don't know if people get saved from it, but you know what? We reach people that way. People listen to it somewhere in the world. I'm not. It doesn't show me who, but I just get a number. How many listeners that listened every week? And I thank God if one listens, because it's service. Everything we do, God will bless if we do it for His glory. You have to ask yourself, though, what is your motivation with your service? See, we can be improperly motivated when it comes to serving God. Are you doing it to uplift yourself? Are you doing it for a pat on the back? Are you doing it uh, uh, just so someone says, man, they're more Christian than the other person or whatever, because God ain't going to bless that kind of service. It has to be about Him. Because the very fact that you are saved is because of Him. Amen. The only reason you're part of the church is because God out of His magnificent will saw fit to draw you and you, you accepted Christ. Without Him drawing you to Him, Amen. you would never even know nothing about the Lord. You know, desire for Him. The See, the Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And it tells us that no one loves God until He first loves us. We love the world. The flesh enjoys it. It feels good to sin, but for a season. And then God opens our eyes, just like He did uh, to Saul of Tarsus when the film fell off and He saw God for who He was. He reveals to us our fallen state and He calls us into a life of salvation. And when He does it, it's not because of religion good works, or anything else that we do. But it's because the Lord loves us. He is patient and long-suffering towards us. He he seals us with the Holy Spirit in the day of redemption. He preserves us. And again, it's not about the pastor. It's not about the denomination. It's not about you as an individual. It is all about God. And that day, that sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, when Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross and He gave up the ghost and said, It is finished. Everything that needed to be done for you to be saved, for any soul ever to be saved, was done on that cross that day on Calvary. The work was completed. Yes. So when you go about and you build the church in your daily lives, as you go out on the mission field, that's what I call this, this is the mission field out here. When you go out on that mission field, you will be successful. The Bible tells us that. You don't have to say, man, I just don't know if I can do it or not. You're not doing it. God is doing it. He tells us that if we are obedient and we seek to build the kingdom, people will be saved. He doesn't say, get an education first. Be smart first. Be a better Christian first. Be a better person first. Build the church. He told the disciples when he was getting ready to leave, he said, go out and create disciples. He didn't even say to go out and get souls saved. He said to go out and create disciples. Getting souls saved is a whole lot easier than creating disciples. God does all the work in in, in saving a soul. I, Justin Basin, don't do anything but present a message that God has given me. Creating disciples takes work. You've got to pray for the individual. You've got to work with the individual. You've got to explain things to the individual. You've got to really bring it down on their level so they can understand because they're babes in Christ. They're new creatures. 
And as they grow, you've got to continue to work and disciple. It's a continual work until we're called home. Discipling, that is. Let me tell you something. We need to be busy building the church. Uh, and get ready to close here. Five times it had, the Lord says something here in the Scripture. He says, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Yes, amen. As we get ready to go to invitation, now I want you to think about this. I want you to consider your ways. Are you building the church? And I'm not saying, again, we're not talking about the Mountain Missionary Baptist Church. Are you building God's church? Are you witnessing? Are you testifying? Are you sharing the gospel with people when the opportunity presents itself? Are you serving God in whatever way He has called you to do? Are you about the Lord's business? Yes. Amen. Because we all got a mission. And you say, well, yeah, I hold a pew down. Nope. That's the bare minimum. That's not a mission. We all are supposed to hold a pew down. But we all have individual ministries He has called us to do. It's just like going to school. We all go to school, but we all have individual careers we go into. We all come to church, and we all got our own little ministry that God has given each every one of us. I don't know it. Only you and God knows it. So you got to seek it. And here in a moment, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. And in the same conversation, I want you to consider your ways. Yes, because the Bible tells us here, as we get ready to go into our time of invitation, that those who take it unworthy, they sleep. You see, it's a serious thing to take the Lord's Supper. Yes. We need to be in right fellowship with God. We need to be in right fellowship with each other. And there is no shame in recognizing that you're not where you need to be. The shame is recognizing you're not where you need to be and doing nothing about it. Because the Bible says that we have an advocate with the Father, which is Christ Jesus. You see, when we realize that, listen, I'm not where I need to be, when you take his time of invitation, right where you are, if you want to come front and pray either way, we need to take that time of a conversation with the Lord and say, Lord, I have made mistakes. I, I, I am battling this sin, but I know you, you, you're loving and you're gracious and you're patient, you're long-suffering. I need your help. I need your forgiveness. Listen, God will restore you in full fellowship. Just like the prodigal son that came back to the father, he killed the fatted calf, put a ring on his finger and a robe upon him. He welcomed him intimately back. Amen. We can have intimacy with God if we choose to have it. God wants intimacy with you. We want to be close to our, our, our earthly kids, don't we? Why wouldn't our Heavenly Father want to be close to His children here? Listen, it's just like when we have dinner at home, I, we bring the whole family and set the table and we eat. We don't say, well, you know what, so-and-so, they just they made me mad there. They just put them back in the room and they meet back there. No. It don't matter what. If it happened ten minutes before we sat down, you still sit because we want to be together. God is no different. God wants to be intimate with His children. He wants closeness. And we can have that if we just are willing to say, Lord, here it is. Here's my mistakes. You know I'm a faulty creature. I need forgiveness. So as we